everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast through the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are now in episode four of just kind of talk, working our way, talking about Mormonism, and I have the one and only great and glorious Scott Sutton here with us. <laughs> hey, man. Good to see you. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. And um, elder, longtime elder at the church, small group leader, just all around great dude, no shoes, bringing the 60s to full-fledged <laughs> life to the Grove Church every Sunday. And um, you just spend a lot of time it's, it's just kind of interacting with Mormons and just kind of have a heart for this. And so we spent a lot of time, if it's your first time catching us, go back three episodes, spent a lot of time rehearsing kind of some of the the theology of, of Mormons, the history of Mormons, and kind of, and just really under the idea of we want to fully understand it and really fully understand this is not a it's not a Christian religion. It's not a Christian denomination. This is its own thing. And in fact, there are quite a few things in there that I would say are offensive in what they say about God and a lot of harmful theology and really understanding what Jesus did. So I encourage you, if you haven't, to go back and listen to those and kind of build up your understanding and knowledge of, of who this group is and what they believe. But I want to kind of kind of wrap up this series here with this of like, like just kind of really thinking through big picture, the question of well, what do I, what do I do if they come knocking on my door? What do I do if I've got, maybe I've got extended family that's Mormon. I've got friends, coworkers, and cause sometimes they can be for lack of a better word, ag- aggressive mm-hmm. in, in, in trying to convert or try to get you to become Mormon. And like, I don't know, how do, how do I engage? Do I let the Mormons in? Am I supposed to have these missionaries come? And some people will say that that's dangerous. Like, there's all sorts of different opinions about this. And so this is kind of what I want us to try to, in what can only probably only be described as a Charlie ADHD kind of way with you, right? But let's start here with this. You say, you've said last, you know, as, as we've been talking, that this has been something that has been a part of your story for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me your origin story then? What happened 20-ish years ago? Yeah. So my, um, in the year 2000, I was living in Houston at the time, and a temple had opened up in Houston, and they were doing this kind of two-week visitation open to the public period. And um, a friend of mine happened to live in one of the neighborhoods that surrounded it, and so we went together. And so that was my kind of, I had no concept of any of this before I did that. But walking through that temple, kind of doing the tour, you see things, and it starts to kind of poke pique your curiosity about, gosh, this is a whole nother, because you'll see things about like the baptismal font they use for baptizing for the dead. You'll see the room where they do marriages, where they have mirrors that kind of face each other to represent this eternity of, of, uh, of marriage and family and kind of the, the progression that you have. You'll see the room that's kind of this meditation room. It's called the uh, celestial room where um, you they have this beautiful chandelier and all like beautiful carpet and drapes and just as beautiful. So you see all this and you're like, I have no, like, where does this even fit? And so didn't really do much with that. But when we moved here to, I think of that as like the first time that, that God was kind of just working on my heart a little bit around this. We moved to Arkansas and day one, my coworker, my closest coworker and the spot that I was backfilling from a coworker who moved to another position, they were both Mormon. And so day one, and, and then might've just had some of the most fun people, you know, that was around the time Napoleon Dynamite came out. And uh, one of the guys, uh, we would just quote Napoleon Dynamite to each other every day. Do you think, day. I mean, he, he, they, 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 was Napoleon, was that Montana or was that Utah? They that was were, Idaho. It was Idaho. It was right he, across the border. Okay. Yeah. So do we think Napoleon and his family, do we think they were Mormons? I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's but definitely, percentage wise, 
Statistically, it's Statistically, likely. Statistically, it's yeah. likely. Yeah, that's okay. right. <laughs> anyways, go ahead. Yeah, no. So, and then there are a lot, a lot of little, uh, you know, some some Mormons who grew up in that culture have definitely like, I think they can laugh at it a lot harder than us because they do see some of these cultural nuances that none of us would ever pick up on. So I think they did a pretty brilliant job with that movie. But, uh, you know, but th- that was the nature of this. So we would quote comedians together. We would, you know, just like, just beautiful people. And, but, but sure enough, like they found out where I lived and uh, sent missionaries to my door within a month of me starting at the job that, you know, they knocked on my door and said, Hey, we're talking to so-and-so. And they, uh, they mentioned that you might be interested in the church. Oh, so they sent missionaries to your house, but, but, but the missionaries told you it wasn't yeah. like, Hey, why don't you go happen to knock on this dude's <laughs> right, door? Yeah. Say, hey, we were talking, we, we found out about you yeah. from this guy. I said you were great. Okay. That's okay. great. Yeah. So it was a little, a little less, a little less creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, my, um, initial was like, sure, let's, let's come on in. And you know, I just, my own context, I grew up, atheist. I grew up with no church background at all. And it wasn't until discovering Christ that, that I, that I walked out of that fully. And so, uh, and there's a whole journey on that, but I still have this openness to, if someone comes to me with a truth claim, I want to hear the claim. Like I, like if I'm missing truth, if, if this is the restored gospel, I want to hear it. And so that's how I came into this. So you would say that you came into it with an openness to maybe there's something I've missed and they have, they have a, they have a decoder ring or a missing piece of the puzzle. So you, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't talking to them. You weren't getting ready to fight. No, not at all. And, 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 and neither was I getting ready to convert. I mean, I, I, at that point, God had impressed the, the, the realness of my relationship with him on me so much that there wasn't, you know, I was, I was drinking from the fountain that was quenching my endless thirst. And so there was no sense of like, okay, well, you know, this isn't doing it for me. What else is out there? But it really just more this someone's coming with a truth claim. Let's hear it. Let's test, you know, the earth is flat. Let's look at the science, you know, you know the, okay. the, uh, let's just, I want to hear it. And so, so we met for a number of times. So typically when the missionaries come to your door, they have like a six lesson progression they take you through and they'll spread that out over six weeks. And each lesson kind of focuses on a different topic. And each one also kind of leaves you, they, they ask you to make some sort of a commitment. And the idea is like the first commitment might be, would you read the Bible or would you read this passage from the book of Mormon? And then week two, if you read it, then it's like, okay, they're, they're willing to make some steps. And so next one might be, will you come to church with us? Next one might be, and so they'll kind of keep stepping through all the way to the point where will you get baptized? And so they're really kind of leading you. Well, we met for two years solid. So we, we blew through the six months. You, six just wasn't, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't making the commitments. Yeah. So like I came to church, then did the baptism, but you know, came to church, but it was like, they're beautiful people. And so like to be able to sit and talk with someone who I could tell at this point was believing something that wasn't, that didn't really align with the reality, but we're willing to talk about it. We're beautiful people. I mean, we celebrated their birthdays with them, you know, like, cause they, uh, they're, you know, they're out. And then, you know, to your question about when they come knock on my door, even if you have no intention of engaging them on a theological, offer them a drink. You know, they are 18 year olds, 19 year olds who are away from their family, sometimes for the first time ever in their lives. Missions can be hard. It's long hours. There are high expectations in this part of the country. They're not getting a lot of baptisms. And so that's, that's very difficult, even for, for Christians going on missions to parts of the world that aren't receptive to Christianity. It's just a very emotionally, physically, spiritually draining experience for them. And so offer them a drink, uh, you know, let them invite them in, have a drink, sit down, hear their story and uh, wish them well and tell them if they're ever in the neighborhood again and they're thirsty, they can always knock on your door and get a drink of water. I'd say that's, that is like bare minimum if we want to think about as, as, as our response as Christians, what we could be doing with them. But if you do want to engage with them, you know, they're, they're definitely resource, you know, it's age of the internet, there are plenty of resources out there, but 
but we met for two years. And during that time, like I met a lot of different members of the church who lived in my neighborhood, surrounding neighborhoods. And uh, a lot of them work at the place where I work. And so we, I'm, I'm to the point now where some people that I love dearly, people who, uh, some neighbors who threw a baby shower for our second born members of the church. Like there are people that I genuinely love and, and I have a friendship with them and a love for them that has no agenda or no, you know, hidden ulterior motive. It's just a genuine friendship, full stop. At the same time, feeling the weight of the struggle is, uh, is something that keeps me engaged with this because I, and seeing, seeing families be, uh, you know, sometimes split apart because of this, because one, one member, one spouse wants to join, one doesn't, one leaves the church. And sometimes that results in divorce because marriage is one of those requirements for this, this eternal, uh, God's sainthood. Right. Uh, and if you're not believing anymore, then now my eternity's at stake. So that can be really hard. So you see what this does to families. You see the load that members have to carry. And that's what keeps me engaged with this. And so over the years, anytime missionaries have knocked on our door, we've invited them in, offer them water, talk with them. And uh, we're always very upfront with them about what we believe. We ask the hard questions. But, uh, but you know, knowing that what they're, you know, that they're just beautiful human beings who, are, who can be amazing friends is uh, reason enough to, uh, to welcome them in. Well, that's, that's, really, that's really cool. So... So when you, so you're, you're engaging them on a, on a friend, just act of kindness kind of way. Hey, come on in. I want to treat, I want to show you some kindness. I want to show you some respect. I want to acknowledge your dignity and worth and value as human. Because very often, certainly at least in the South and probably in other places as well, you know, you see them on their bikes and they're very obvious, mm-hmm. right? Bikes, backpacks, white shirts and name ties, yep. right? I mean, the name tags, elder, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of stories out there of people intentionally doing them harm or right. pranking them. I try to run them off the road. Yep. If I can splash them, I'm going to throw throw something at them. Right? I mean, so at a minimum, you're definitely encouraged. We can we can do a whole lot better than that yep. to not reinforce in them some sort of you know persecution complex for them, but can just genuinely show them a measure of kindness. Yeah. So, would you say? It is dangerous to invite uh, Mormon missionaries into your home after they knock on your door. Is it dangerous? Yeah. So, from a physical safety standpoint, I don't mean physical. Okay, I don't yeah. mean physical. I mean spiritually. Yeah. Is like, is it? Am I inviting a not a physical but a spiritual wolf right. into my home? Yeah. I, so, I, I'd say if you are at a point because we all have, we're all different parts for a journey. Sometimes we find ourselves further back in our journey than we were three years ago. We all have, we're all on a journey. And if you're in a place in your journey where you are uh, just, just, just feeling very vulnerable, they will come in and they, they are there for a purpose. They either are there to get you baptized. They're not there for water. They're not there to rake your leaves for you. They're there to get you baptized. That is their, their sole purpose of being there. And so they will, over the course of that six weeks period, be pressuring you to make these commitments They'll be questioning, causing you to question things you believe. And if you're at a place where that's that's not safe for you spiritually, I'd say offer them the drink of water, thank them for their time and send them on their way, tell them they can always come back for another drink. But if you're at a place where you you, you feel like you're ready to engage, you know, it's I wouldn't do it foolishly because it is a time investment, but take the time to, to talk to them, understand where they're coming from. Don't just take it from two guys on a podcast, but actually understand from their own mouth what do they believe? Why do they believe it? What does it mean to them? Ask them the hard questions, challenge them with scripture, 
and, and, and tell them your own story. And so I, I, I answer that question kind of, uh, out of both sides of my mouth that, uh, I think there Indeed. are times where it depends, it depends, <laughs> you know, there are times where I, I would say, uh, even in hectic t- family life, you know, family life, there are times seasons we've had where it's just, there's just too much going on to give up another hour every week for, I'm sorry, we can't. And so I just say, no, know, know where you're at with this. And, um, and also we're, I think we're all called that God pricks our hearts for different groups of people. And, and if your heart isn't pricked for this group of people, then offer them the water, love on them and um, tell them to come back anytime they're thirsty. So yeah, I think the word that I would use, and I intentionally used a stronger word using the word dangerous. I think the word I would use is risky. Mm-hmm. It is, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not without its risks. And I think, I think for two particular groups of people, historically, I've noticed it be risky for, and the one that you've mentioned, which is someone who is just spiritually vulnerable mm-hmm. because their, their tactics are well rehearsed, yep. well practiced, they're well equipped. And I would really say that they're con- to pe- the people that are quote converting, they're not taking people from, they're not taking people from atheist to, to, to Mormon. Right. They're taking disillusioned Christian the disillusioned, hurting, broken Christian who was vulnerable for whatever reason because of some sort of life change, because of some theological crisis. And so I think it is very risk. It can be, it can be very risky for that person. And I think it's also risky for maybe even like the, uh, not the opposite, but a very different sort of person. The person who, who maybe can be really obsessive and, and has a great need to be right and really gets angry listening to someone be wrong. And so they're, they're coming at you with their stuff and you're, and you push back yeah. on them and they've, they've got an answer. Mm-hmm. And, but the, and they're, but the, they're every answer to every question and counterpoint, they, they just keep being more wrong. Yeah. Riles you up. And you've got to figure out and you're going to do more research and I'm going to think about this some more and I'm going to come up with some great thing to show you how wrong you are. And it can become an, an earworm of sorts mm-hmm. for you. And I've also discovered you're not going to, you're not going to win a game of endurance with them. Right. Right. I mean, you said to me, you're two years in, you were at one point, you were two years into your six week program. Mm-hmm. You didn't win. Right. But they didn't give up. Right. No one, no one, no one won. And so I think it can be, it can be dangerous in that regard too, because I've seen people with just who, well, I would have said it, I thought at the time, had a really strong Christian faith, decided it was their mission to, again, this is, this is too strong of a phrase, but Mormon hunting, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if just like, I'm going to go out and convince Mormons that they are, and, and it became an obsession for them. Yeah. And right. they became Mormons. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I think this respond on too, that anytime, whether it's Mormon or not, like something becomes that much of an obsession for us, then we need to check even our own hearts about what are we actually trying? Like, are we trying to, to win the argument for ourselves, for our own glory, for our own ego, so to speak, or are we genuinely coming, approaching this from the place of, of, of love and truth? And um, so, yeah, so I think if, if spiritual vulnerable, obsessive, and just, just coming to it from the perspective of the ultimate heart change won't be come because right. I said the zinger that that zinged him so good. <laughs> a zinger that no one Mormon has ever heard yeah, before. Right. And so it comes from the work of the spirit and their response to that on their heart. And so we can be vessels that that 
the help of that, but it's not our job, our duty to to zing them, you know, the best that they've ever been zinged. And so I think that's part of a part of the part of it too is just checking our own hearts with with why are we even inviting them in? And I think that would for inviting them in because we're really disillusioned with the current state of things. I think that's that's a that's a warning to us if we're inviting them in because boy we're gonna we're gonna these two boys are gonna be in church with me by the end of this week. Uh, right. You know that's that's a heart check too because that's that's not coming from a place of love. And so so yeah. So I think you you raise a really good point there. So so it came into my br- my brain the um, the scene from the Princess Bride where um Vicini is talking to the man in black and it's <laughs> like you know there's you know the the first classic blunder is never get into a land war in Asia. The second less popular one is never get into a battle of wits with a Sicilian when death is on the line. Right. So like, amazing. There's a, there's a sense of which like, like I think about, I say this, I say this to people too. Like you don't want to get in an argument with me. Yeah. And it's not because I'm always right. It's just incorrigible. I'm classically trained in talking. Yeah. I have been talking and arguing my whole life. It is my job to make great arguments, to break things down. I've thought about this, whatever it is we're arguing about, probably. Like, I've probably thought about it more than you have. It's not that I'm right. It's just that I'm better at arguing. Yeah. On a lot of topics, not all of them, but on a lot of them. You don't want to get an argument with me. Like, I don't, I don't, and I'm not trying to get into an argument. I'm going to, anyways, distracted. The same same thing here. They are, they have been trained for months, and some of them have maybe a year plus experience in having these sorts of conversations. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to get into an argument, if your goal is to win a conversation, you won't. Yeah. They 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 will win the argument. Yeah. They will win. You will win an argument. So I've I've found more than anything, and again I've limited experience with some missionaries, a lot of good conversations with some kids at um, Chick-fil-A back in the day. I have found, and you should, what you think about this, is that question asking about what they believe is better than other stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to make an argument. I, was, I mean, just even some of the stuff we've talked about over here. So, is there a God of gods? And let them let let them in there fumbling around of that of that question kind of if god wants to do something there he can yeah. so so god was just like me so so the god that i worship was a human on another planet is that okay yeah and just really good exploratory questions that for lack of a better phrase can bring up some of the absurdity or really maybe some of the more, to use a harsher word, some of the more blasphemous things and just let, if the spirit wants to come in and do a work as, as they're thinking about their question, but they may be, they may just be in full argument mode mm-hmm. and they're not allowing their spirit to engage. And then, okay. Yeah. But I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to fight anybody. No, I, I think that's, that's spot on. Just asking questions and, and, you know, I, I think as a, as a side note, I think that's a good way for ourselves too to kind of weed out a lot of things that we believe that are maybe just a little bit off kilter, just really questioning ourselves too. But I think when, to your point about engaging those conversations, and I'd add one other thing to that is that question asking, I think that's spot on. The other thing that I think it was, is really meaningful is authenticity. When, when your religion is based on 
attaining a level of perfection of human perfection and you have or in this peer pressure environment to do that it tends your community tends to be people who are all trying to not show any cracks uh, or if they do show cracks it's in very specific ways mm-hmm. and as followers of Christ we have the ability to show all the cracks and so the the one time i ever saw the, those missionaries ever kind of soften to the idea of, of, of our gospel was bringing them to our small group, which, you know, I'm not saying everyone go invite missionaries to your small group, but we had been meeting, we were talking about the Grove and, uh, you know, small group and, hey, we'd love to check it out sometime. And which I probably should not have done, but they, uh, we, they came with us on a uh, Wednesday night and it just happened to be, and this was a group that was just very, all of our craps on the table, you know, just is all out there. We had some people, some of them, you know, some of them are even like predate you a little bit, but they just the people who will just say anything have no shame because they are confident in the work that Christ has done in them and don't feel this need to show the work that they've done. And the, through the whole call, we're studying um, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, kind of where Jesus is kind of stepping up this, you know, you've heard it told, but I tell you, you've heard it told, but I tell you. And it's just showing that we have utter dependency on the work of, of, of God or the work of Christ right. to, to, to fulfill that. And talking about our own struggles with that, our own struggles with anger, our own struggles with lust, our own struggles with, with all the things that like Jesus calls out point blank. And on the drive home with them, they were just, the, it was the quietest they'd ever been. And they were just, that was very cool. Like, and so I think there's, there's, there's asking questions, being authentic and just modeling what it, what life looks like when all of my trust and my faith and my certainty is in Christ and what Christ has done, then I'm free now to, to love, to be myself. And to um to 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 worship the God who has done all. Right, that's that's really good. So, you know, bringing in a bringing in a missionary, you know, has its risks, and I feel like God has uniquely called you to kind of engage at a next level, and I really admire and appreciate that. And so, like I said, we can all give them a drink. We can all be kind. We can all do that. Some of us may want to talk to them at this level. Some of us may be able to go to a different level. Right. But what about beyond that? What if, what about for the people that maybe have people who are part of the Mormon church in their mm-hmm. neighborhood or that they work with and it's not a, it's, it's not really an optional relationship yeah. for them. What's the, what's the right way to engage? Do I, is, 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 you know, do I, am I, am I supposed to be recruiting them? Am I supposed to be trying to convert? Am I just trying to be friends with them? Is that, is it being cowardly to just be friends with them and I'm not being committed enough? Mm-hmm. Or is, is it like, man, you, you know, you, you stop, you know, you need to, you know, you think about it in those terms, just be a good friend. That's what you're like. What, what advice would you give to someone who has these sorts of relationships with people who are part of the Mormon church? Yeah, no, I think that's good. Another good uh, kind of subset of people in our lives. And, you know, I think about like, you know, Peter saying like, always be prepared to give an answer. And I feel like when, when it's not optional, I think we are called to maybe this next level of like really understanding the world they're in, their beliefs, their struggles, their theology, and having just getting ourselves to a point where we are always prepared to have an answer because there could be 20 years that go by where there's never a, never a need or an opportunity to ever say anything to you. And then one day at dinner, you know, you have them over dinner and they say, actually, we're really struggling. You know, we're, we're really thinking about leaving the church right now. Like, because we see this, this, and, uh, or whatever it might be. And, you know, I, I use that, I've actually held on to that passage for a lot of different reasons that, you know, with coworkers going to get drinks after work, 
and there's something on the TV about, you know, some other church abuse scandal. And they, they turn to you and they say, how do you believe this crap? And you have to be ready two beers in right. <laughs> to give an answer for why you believe this crap. And, um, Did you just say two beers in? <laughs> not on the profile, I guess I didn't. Indeed, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, like you have to be ready, always be prepared to give an answer. And so, and so I feel that that applies here too, that, that if, you, if, if, if you have someone in your life who's close enough that you know that it feels inevitable, this is going to come up. Right. Be prepared and, and don't feel the pressure, like know every single thing, answer every single question, but to immerse yourself in it enough that when that time comes, if that time comes, you have an answer and then you're, you have the, the stuff in your mind that, uh, you know, the spirit can organize into something right. that's really meaningful for them to hear. That's really good. I think the last piece of advice that I would want to give people is to, if you are going to engage in conversation, let it be about the things that you and I were talking about in the first 2.5 episodes, Mm -hmm. the things about Jesus, the things about people, the thing about the very nature and majesty and glory of God, about grace, about forgiveness, about salvation, about being dead in our sins, those kind of major theological things, because that, that, that's where the conversation needs to happen. And, and it's, it, it, it gets to the heart of it and it gets you thinking about the things that matter most to the gospel and it's helping them to think. And again, if the Spirit's going to do a work, He's going to do it on the issue of the very nature and character of God, the nature of Jesus, and the real need that they have for forgiveness. It's not going to be because you said things like, I hear Joseph Smith was illiterate. Yeah. I hear he was a murderer. You know, Joseph Smith was a murderer. Yeah. You you got your magic underwear on right now? Not going to help. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, there are, I mean, I can't believe you think Garden of Eden is in Missouri, bro. Like, how stupid are you? Like, I mean, like, Okay, maybe those in your in your in your worldview that those things are just next level preposterous. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is, I mean, I, I think if a fish ate a dude and spit him back up, and right, I think a, Jesus died and came back to life, and preposterous. I mean, I, I there's plenty of preposterous things that I believe. Let's 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 spend our energy on the preposterous things that we believe or don't believe that are critical to the very nature of the gospel. I I believe that the death of Jesus Christ allows me to be in an eternal relationship with an all-powerful eternal God. That's different than what I hear you're saying. Like, let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about that. Yeah. And, um, because again, it's, because, you know, we, we, we think that we're winning an argument and really you're just insulting a human. Exactly. Who is in desperate need, who is, who is, who is running, who is, who is a, this is an insulting metaphor, who is, a, who, is a, who is a hamster on a wheel running as fast as they can, working as hard as they can, in theory, to make some great progress, but aren't going anywhere because it's not something that they can do. And it's not something that a, a weak former human God could, none of the problems we have could be, for, could be solved by an elevated human. Yeah. And they, and they need that. And either you can engage them on that level or you can't. So if either, you know, if you're going to get stuck, if you're vulnerable, or if all you really can do is mock them mm-hmm. for weird beliefs, then stay out the game. Yeah, absolutely. They have the same longing for the divine that we have. They're just finding it in a different place and focus on the, that, that longing and not the, uh, the peripheral. I think that's uh, well put. Yeah. Well, Scott, again, I can't s- s- say enough. I mean, I sent you a text. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and 
to record three episodes with me. And we've changed, vastly changed the outline of those three episodes and expanded them to four. I appreciate your flexibility, Thank you. um, your kindness, your, your empathy, and your love for, for people, and your just incredible wisdom. So thanks for just spending some time with us over these last few episodes. It's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate yeah, your heart, too. For sure. And thanks to all you guys who've been listening. And if you have any questions or thoughts, we'd love to hear about them. Best place to do it is go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect. You can fill out the form there. Drop your question and we'd love to connect with you. And that's the best way to do it too. You can uh, find all the information there online about who we are as a church, the best way to connect with us on Sunday morning, either in person or online, depending on where you live and kind of where you're at right now. So we would love to be able to serve you, help you any way that we can. And again, I'm Charlie Lofton, lead pastor. Got Scott Sutton here, one of the elders. And thanks so much for joining us. 